0: Good morning, welcome to the first Sunday of the the Christmas season, we're so glad you guys are here. Um, I gotta say, I'm with Lacey, some of my favorite parts of uh, celebrating Christmas at Desert Springs is having the kids in the room to sing Christmas songs together, just coming together, not only as small individual families, but as a a church family, and just get to hear the kids and just worship together is such a beautiful way to start off the Christmas season, But I gotta tell you, for those of you who know me, for those who know me uh, in my circles, you might be like, wait a minute. Dawn usually says Christmas is not my favorite season. (laughs) And I know that's kind of shocking for someone who's standing up here. We're supposed to be so excited about Christmas. But honestly, for me, I actually oftentimes will call Christmas a required emotion holiday. We're required to have certain emotions, right? We're required to be jolly and happy and compassionate and generous. But to be honest, oftentimes when Christmas comes around, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of some really difficult times in my life. I'm reminded of some traumatic events. And I'm reminded of the people that maybe uh, are no longer here with us or maybe relationships that are completely broken And that I'm not celebrating Christmas with this year and I I think that's true for a lot of people that Christmas even though as as a believer I am celebrating the reminder that Jesus came to be our savior our redeemer I'm also dealing with the brokenness and hardness of this life and I don't I don't know if you can relate but If you can, I'd like to invite you to something that I'm trying for the first time this year. This is a reason why I think more and more people are struggling this way than we realize. Is that the uh, the Spiritual Formation Society of Arizona is actually hosting this year something called a Blue Christmas, Uh, and it's something that it's a service for us that maybe are struggling a little bit with Christmas this year, and and. Maybe struggling to carry that joy and that hope. And so this is an opportunity to come together and recognize that we're, we're living in this middle space of celebrating the coming of Jesus, but also dealing with the brokenness and heaviness that we might be carrying. Uh, this is on December 12th. Uh, it's actually not here at Desert Springs, it's at uh, Valley View Bible, um, and I'd love to meet you there. If you'd like more information, you can ask me, email me, um, and we'll get that information to you. But this morning, I, so I'm kicking off the Christmas series, and I get to talk about the mother of Jesus, Mary. And I don't know, some of us maybe have different uh, encounters with who Mary is, or maybe even not even sure who Mary is. Uh, but I think if you've lived in this country, you've probably seen Mary in this light, uh, from the Peanuts Christmas, right, where you have... Uh, uh, Lucy there serving as Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so I think most of us could probably identify that, that Mary is this mother of Jesus, but uh, maybe that's all we know about her. But for others, maybe you grew up in a faith tradition where uh, Jesus, or was, Mary was really elevated. She was lifted higher than, than humans because of her calling by God to uh, birth the Son of God. And that maybe she was this, this woman who was, um, was pure and perfect and set aside because God had called upon her to be the mother of Jesus. Or maybe you grew up in a faith tradition like me, where there was this fear that maybe we would, we would uh, worship Mary as higher than Jesus. And so really, we minimized Mary's story in the coming of Jesus. And where Mary, for my faith tradition, was just kind of a, kind of a blip on the screen. She was this random woman, no big deal, but Jesus. Here's Jesus. And so today I'm hoping to paint a little bit of a a expanded picture of who Mary was and how she, her story, connects with all of us. When I started to study Mary and get prepared for this message, I realized that oftentimes Mary was found in these middle spaces of life. She was the mother of Jesus, but she was also the daughter of Eve, which is just this beautiful poetic way to say human. She's human. And, but she was also a follower of Jesus. So she's in these middle spaces of not only being the mother of, of Jesus, but also following Jesus, but also dealing with her own humanity and brokenness in this world. And, and so what I've found was as I was reading more and more about her individual, these little snippets of her life and her story, you see her in these middle spaces. And what I mean by that is these spaces where maybe you've got two competing emotions, or maybe you've got two competing ideas that you're holding in tension. Um, Just practical example. Think about when maybe you were excited about an upcoming move. And you're super excited about what the changes that are coming and uh, maybe it's a new job, things like that. But you're also dealing with the sadness and the grief of what you're leaving behind. Maybe the people that you know and what you're familiar with. Maybe in another way, you have a loved one who's been fighting a horrific disease for a long time. And when they pass, you have some relief for them. You know that they're no longer suffering. And there is some joy in that but you're also dealing with the pain and the loss and the heartbreak of them not being in your day-to-day life anymore. Or maybe you're in a place where you're dealing with a decision in which case neither side feels like a win for you, but you gotta make the decision. You're stuck in this middle place of trying to figure out what's the right way to go. And again, maybe neither way feels like a win. Those are the middle spaces that I'm talking about. And we see in Mary's life how she balances this constantly. And just in the very fact of being the mother of Jesus, knowing that she is being used by God, commissioned by God, to usher in the Savior of the world, she's also dealing with her humanity in a broken world. We also see as we're getting ready to be introduced to Mary's story, that the people of God are also in a middle space. Uh, literally, Mary is at the beginning of the New Testament. In our Bible, where it's divided in Old Testament and New Testament, Old Testament leading up to the birth of Christ, New Testament, Christ's birth, and ministry afterwards. And just before Mary's story, we've got the Old Testament. We flip a page, and we go into the New Testament. And what we find is that in the Old Testament... It ends with the people of God living under Persian rule, but it's a pretty um, symbiotic relationship. Like they're, they're in a good place. The, the people of God, the Israelites, the Jewish people were welcome to celebrate their culture and live out their faith the way that they saw it, uh, even under Persian rule. But then we flip the page in a f- couple hundred of years, and we start the New Testament. And we find that the people of God are under extreme oppression and rule under the roman empire and even oppression under their own religious leaders who are trying to gain some kind of control in this really difficult space that they're living in under the roman uh, rule And Michael Goheen, who is a theological professor at uh, the Missional Training Center, he wrote a book called The True Story of the Whole World, which is just a beautiful uh, summation of the whole Bible as one story. But this is what he has to say about the people of God. And remember, Mary, living under the rule of the Romans. He says, "...the hatred and the anger that Israel has always felt for its pagan masters now finds a new target in Rome." the most powerful and brutal of them all. Many Jews who look to the Torah, the scripture, for understanding now identify Rome with the vicious beast in Daniel. The Romans rule the Jews by force, fear, intimidation, trampling on their religious sensitivities, taxing them into poverty, enforcing a Roman brand of pagan culture and meting out savage punishments to any who oppose their will this is the space in history when God decides to send his son Jesus through Mary when we're entered when we are introduced to Mary's story we find that the people of God are in this middle space of living under this oppression living under fear But they also know the scripture and they believe that in God who says he's going to send them a redeemer and a savior. And so they're living in this pain and fear and horrific conditions but yet hoping for what's to come. They're living in a middle space. And what they're hoping for when they're hoping for this Messiah is they're looking for the savior to be just like The humans in their lives who are in charge, who are powerful. They're looking for somebody to come in who, with might and strength, preferably maybe a a royal space where they can take their power for their throne and really to elevate the people of God. They're looking to be no longer the people of God who are trampled on and living under another culture's rule, but they're looking to rise up and be recognized as the powerful force in the world and that's where the people of God are and then there's Mary who we're introduced to in scripture it says in Luke 1 God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin enga- virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David his name was Joseph and the virgin's name was Mary And we learn a little bit about Mary right here. Mary is from this town of Nazareth. And Nazareth, too, just geographically is stuck in this middle space. Nazareth is on the edge of Jewish society, on the very margins. In fact, just on the other side of Nazareth is where the enemies of the Jewish people, the Gentiles, live And so oftentimes, uh, Nazareth would be the meeting place for people, uh, the Jewish people coming from the center of Jewish society and meeting the Gentiles. And it wasn't a celebrated place. In fact, you get the sense that it's kind of this this gross place, like you just really dread it if you have to go to Nazareth. Uh, In fact, later on in scripture, one of uh, the religious leaders was saying, can anything good come from Nazareth? Speaking about Jesus, who comes from Nazareth. And this is where Mary's at. God chooses Mary. I would say this random woman, us looking back in history, she's, she's random. She's just a woman living in Nazareth, engaged to Joseph, ready to start her new life as a wife. But God, but God chose her. And we think about uh, Mary being engaged. And as we get ready to read more about her story, think about her in this place. Now, I, as I was reading this, I remembered being uh, engaged 25 years ago to my husband. <laughs> it's been a long time. And I remember having all these hopes and these dreams. Everything in my mind was going to be wonderful and perfect and lovely. And we would build this lovely life together. And we would have kids and a perfect house, all those things Um, And I'm even a little bit embarrassed to say, uh, we wrote notes back and forth to each other. I'm not embarrassed about that, but there was no, you weren't texting then. But we wrote these notes back and forth to each other and I kept some of them. And on one of them, it says, I'm I'm dreaming about when we get to make dinner together every night and how wonderful it's gonna be as a married couple to make dinner together every night. And let me tell you, after 25 years, dinner is the worst part of the day. (laughs) It's so (laughs) difficult. But you get this idea, right? Like of this just dreamy, everything is going to be wonderful. Think about Mary in that space. Mary engaged to Joseph, dreaming about what her life might look like. And then this angel of God appears. And the angel says, good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty, beautiful inside and out. God be with you. Scripture says Mary was thoroughly shaken. And I think I would be too, right? This angel coming to you. And she's, again, she's just this woman at the edge of Jewish society. She probably doesn't have a lot of people coming to her and saying how beautiful you are inside and out. I'm sure lots of people thought she was insignificant. And yet here's this angel saying, you are beautiful inside and out. And even scripture says she was wondering What was behind a greeting like that it didn't make sense to her but the angel said to her mary you have nothing to fear god has a surprise for you you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name jesus and mary would have known the name jesus meant salvation the angel continued, He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. And now if there was a Jewish leader there, they might have been like, Yes, this is what we're asking for. We want a new king. We want to be elevated. We want to be lifted high, be the powerhouse of the world. But Mary, in her sweet practicalness, she says to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called holy, son of God. Now, imagine Mary's face had some kind of a look about it, right? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I've never been with a man and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon me and I'm going to have a baby. And I imagine she had that face because the angel felt like he needed to continue and say, and did you know that your cousin Elizabeth will conceive a son as old as she is? Everyone called her barren and here she is six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. And Mary, in her sweetness, said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid. I'm ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you said. And the angel left her. Now, it would be easy to hear that scripture and think, oh, look how wonderful and sweet and submissive Mary is. And shouldn't all Christian women be just like that? But I got to tell you, as a follower of Jesus, and as a woman, I'm not like that. <laughs> I'm not super submissive and easy and listening and just going along with what God says. I would have argued. I would have struggled with this. I would have had a few more things to say to the angel. And it, it feels like when we present Mary like that, that pious and submissive, almost perfect we do a disservice to her story and maybe the reason why god would have included her story in scripture it makes it impossible for us to connect with her whether you're no matter who you are and so then we remember yes mary was called as the mother of jesus but mary was also a daughter of eve she's human and i think when this scripture was written there was some assumption that this was implied. And so I believe as we continue through Mary's story, we'll see that her story is really our story as well. And there's so much that we can connect with her and see how she lived in this middle space, just like we do, of desiring and knowing how good God is and that he sent Jesus as our rescuer, but we're still living in this broken, painful world. So as we continue her story, uh, we first recognize, if we start thinking about her from a human perspective, we realize that God is asking a lot of her in her society. There's a lot of risk for her in accepting this calling as the mother of Jesus, she is living in a society where being engaged is the same as being married. In fact, in order to break an engagement, you had to uh, request a divorce. And certainly women couldn't do that. Only men could. And furthermore, if you were found to be pregnant before you were married, there was literally a law that allowed for the woman to be stoned to death. It was illegal. And so in accepting this commissioning from God, Mary had to have recognized what she was going to be facing she had to have known the fear of what am I going to come against when I tell Joseph and my family and my community that I'm pregnant and I'm not married and let me tell you probably saying the Holy Spirit is the father wasn't going to help her much right so Mary is just like all of us who have been in this space whose life isn't what she expected. She was expecting this quiet little life with Joseph. and Now she's coming against a whole community who as a woman declaring the word of God and declaring that God has come in flesh and that we've been waiting for the Savior and he's finally here, As a woman in a society that did not elevate women's voices, in a society where women were not allowed to study scripture, they were familiar with it, but they didn't get to study it like the men, and they certainly didn't teach it. Being a woman who comes from a faith tradition where women's voices are minimized, I can imagine the tension she was living in, the tension of having this exciting thing to share that everybody should know about, but also knowing her place in society. And knowing the backlash she may face. Isn't it amazing that God would pick this quiet, lowly woman to bring about to his good news. The one to proclaim, the first to proclaim his good news in the New Testament. Mary's story is for all of us who feel like we don't fit in our family. Or maybe don't fit in our community because of their expectations on us. But Mary and Joseph, they stayed together. And just before Mary is about to give birth to Jesus, we see in Luke 2 that a census was to be taken in the empire. And so everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be counted for. Joseph went from the Galilean town of Nazareth up to Bethlehem in Judah, David's town for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancee, who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and she laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Now, can you imagine Mary as a new mom, so excited, imagining the birth of her son with her mother around, her aunts, her family, her friends? and getting to present this beautiful baby boy, the son of God, to her family and her community. But just before that, she gets called, her and Joseph called to Bethlehem, where she is forced to have her firstborn in a manger with no one but Joseph around. And again, at that time, men were not in the birthing room, were not involved in that process, so literally alone. Mary's story is for all of us who say, it's not supposed to be this way. This is not what I signed up for. As we continue, we see that uh, in Matthew 2, it says that the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. They stayed there until Herod's death. Mary's story is for any of us who feel like we've been pushed to the margins because of someone else's fear and hatred. Mary's life was not easy. She dealt constantly with the joy of the coming savior of the world and the pain and the difficulty of a broken world. And we see later on in scripture, Mary at the foot of the cross, watching her son, who was accused of a crime he didn't commit and crucified on a cross. Mary's story is for all of us who have lost a child, In one way or another, whether we birth that child or that child is part of our life. But then we see, the next time we see Mary in scripture, we see her with the disciples, Jesus' followers, after Jesus had risen from the dead, had presented himself to them and commissioned them to go out into the world and tell the good news of Jesus, Jesus. And we see Mary in that room, and she is not talking about and, and projecting Jesus as her son. She's talking about Jesus as her Savior. Jesus, Mary's story is for all of us who need a Savior. Maybe we need a Savior from just our own brokenness that we carry with us every day or the brokenness that we live in constantly— Mary was sharing these, these stories of despite what we're living in, despite what you're carrying, there's hope, there's freedom in Jesus, our Savior. And We know this, Mary's perspective, knowing that she needs a Savior, because we look at her song that is recorded in Luke 1. I'm actually going to put it on the screen so you can see it. This is when Mary is in her second trimester, so she hasn't had Jesus yet. And she's starting to realize the weight and the gravity of what is actually happening here. And she might even be also realizing, you know what, we were looking for a savior in this way, but maybe God's doing something different. And so actually some scholars will call this uh, the first prophecy of the New Testament delivered by Mary. It says... And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Recognizing her need for a Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Now, I don't believe when she's talking about humble conditions, she's talking about a humble person in our sense of someone who's really giving up themselves. I think she's talking about her human condition, knowing that she's carrying brokenness and shame and pain and she needs a savior she needs a savior and so even back then when she was carrying jesus she knew what he had come to do she goes on to say surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because of the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy i believe she's sharing with us it is not she's not being called blessed because of who she is She's being called blessed because of the mighty one who chose her to do great things. She goes on to say, His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with the good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary's sharing with all of these people who are looking for a savior who's coming to, with power and might, to crush the Roman army and to elevate these religious people. She's saying, no. No, that's not what he's come for. He's come to give the brokenhearted, the hungry, the lowly hope and freedom in Christ. She's sharing, look, we had all these expectations of what our life should look like and what a follower of Jesus should look like and he's doing something different and it's better and it's amazing. Mary's constantly in this middle space Of living this really difficult painful life along with her people but pointing back to jesus to the hope that he provides the salvation that he provides one of my favorite authors says this about mary and i think it really helps to connect her story with us as people who are people of god who are living now still in this broken world but believe there is a hope in Jesus. The author is Richard Rohr. He says of the Protestant Reformation, all we could see was that she is not God. This is entirely true, but we lost the ability to see in holes and understand that even better, she is us. That is why we love her, probably without fully understanding why. We needed to see ourselves in her and say with her, God has looked upon me in my humble condition, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. If Jesus is the archetype of what God is doing, Mary is the archetype of how to receive what God is doing and hand it on to others, right? Her story is our story. I'm, I'm so thankful that God chose to share her story in Scripture. We could see the struggles she was in, but how she constantly adjusted her expectations and her heart hopes to follow where God would send her. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Mary's story is all of us who want to live out the love of God made known to us through Jesus but also struggle with the brokenness we live in and carry every day. And so my prayer is that while we enter in this Christmas season, you celebrate the coming of the king, but you remember this king did not come in the way that we, as humans, would expect a king to come. Mary's story reminds us of that. Jesus' coming is not the way that we would expect it in our human way. There's something so much more powerful and supernatural than that. And if you're living in those middle spaces right now where you're struggling to figure out how to feel, what decision to make, or just carrying these heavy weights during this joyous season, I pray that you would remember Mary and you would know that God used Mary in a mighty way and God recognized her in her human space And honored that. And he will do the same for you. So if you're struggling, I pray that you recognize, maybe see what you're expecting of Jesus, and then maybe look for what maybe God wants to do instead. Let's pray. God, you are so good. You're mighty and you're holy and you're powerful and you love us humans in our humble condition. Who are we that you would love us? Who are we that you would call us your children? It's not because of who we are, and we know that. It's because of who you are, and we praise you for that. I pray as we remember how you sent Jesus in human form through the body of Mary, that we remember that you meet us in our humanness and that in our humanness you do great things to glorify your name and to restore this world to the way it should be. In your name, amen.